0: The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
1: We welcome everyone to the program. My name is Jay Paul Newman. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. My two co-hosts are Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones, and we welcome a new member to the broadcast team, Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Today on the program, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones will take us inside the courts. In our Call to Conviction segment, I will highlight a brutal rape that occurred in January of 2001 in the town of Laverne, Tennessee. To protect the identity of the victim, her name will be withheld on this broadcast. In the studio today to discuss this case will be Detective Cal Norrod from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. When we return, we will begin the broadcast with our What's the Law segment, as Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch will discuss an area of the law that you will find to be both interesting and educational. You are listening to The Action Line on your good neighbor station, WGNS.
2: Dell Technologies wants to celebrate all your hard work with these small business month specials. Get great value offers on powerful laptops, desktops, and servers with Windows 11 Pro starting at $499, plus top monitors and docks, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. It's the perfect time to upgrade so you and your team can stay secure from anywhere. Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877 ask That's 877 ask to refresh your business tech with these small business month specials. Dell recommends Windows 11 Pro for business.
0: Tim's taxes were an unbelievably
3: tangled mess. The IRS just wouldn't work with me. Then Optima got involved, and I mean, they really got
0: involved. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and they've resolved over $1 billion for their clients. It's like having two lives, the one before Optima Tax and the one after. Do what Tim did. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-953-1788. 800-953-1788. Optima Tax Relief testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice.
2: Good morning, listeners. I am Trevor Lynch, one of the assistant district attorneys for the 16th Judicial District. And in this segment on what's the law, we're going to talk a little bit about how the COVID-19 pandemic affected our court system. For quite some time, our court system had steadily been increasing in volume during the growth that Rutherford County had in its population. However, when COVID-19 appeared, it wound up backlogging our court system to an extreme amount what impact did that have when you look at a jurisdiction for general sessions court in rutherford county that may see a couple hundred cases per day and those courts get shut down for months a year the backlog is astronomical not only dealing with our general sessions backlog but we had to look at how that affected our grand jurors and as many of you have already heard in previous shows the grand jury meets once a month they will hear anywhere from a hundred to two hundred cases every month those cases also were delayed when that went to our circuit court levels one of the other massive impacts that we had was all jury trials were delayed Without having those jury trials, you had cases of individuals that were either on bond or, more concerningly, in custody that were delayed. As a result of the improvement, the vaccinations, and the responses to the COVID-19 pandemic, our court systems eventually did open. And the impact that we have seen now has been stressful, not only on the district attorney's office, but on the defense attorney's on the defendants, on the victims, and the families of victims of crimes. That impact has been an extreme rush to try and get as many cases resolved and tried as possible. Over the last few months, our office has tried, I would dare say, more cases in the year of 2022 than we would typically see in any given year prior to, meaning we would have anywhere from two or three cases going to trial per month in the various different courts. I know several of our assistants would try a case one week and then the very next week they're in trial again. That impact also slows down our court process. What happens with other cases, with individuals that may have pending cases, whether it be for a violation of probation or for a plea, those cases have to be reset. When you participate in a week-long trial, you have to take into consideration the fact that you will have 50, 60, potentially 80 individuals' cases reset from that week to some other point to try and get the case resolved. So the pandemic, although it's getting better, our court system is still struggling and impacted as a result of the time, resources that were lost during that pandemic. Thank you for your time on this. This has been What's the Law? Thank you.
0: We're Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. You can find us at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Animal City is Murfreesboro's longest-running and only family-operated pet store. Here at Animal City, we know how important nutrition is to a healthy pet. We are proud to carry full lines of premium foods to suit most critters. Come see us at Animal City, 919
4: Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro.
3: Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com, and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com, We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms
4: at times this afternoon with cloudy sky conditions high in the mid 70s. West winds at 10 to 20 miles per hour, gusting as high as 30. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vuchitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com.
5: I'm Bobby Parker from the Bridge Avenue Church Christ, 725 Bridge Avenue. I'd like to invite all of you to our gospel meeting, May the 6th through the 8th. Friday and Saturday night services at 7 p.m. On Sunday, we will have the Bible class at 9 a.m., worship service at 10. Our speaker will be Brother Dale Jenkins from Spring Hill, Tennessee. You all are welcome and wanted at Bridge Avenue Church Christ.
0: This is Inside the Courts, a look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office.
4: Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney, Jennings Jones, and in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you Inside the Courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. Before we begin this segment, I want to take a moment to pay honor to Mike Lyles. Mike passed recently. Uh, he was a, a dear friend of mine, a friend of my family's, a statesman, uh, and an all-around good man. So, uh, think kindly on him uh, and pray for his family. Now. On the 18th of March 2016, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to an apartment complex on Winlawn Drive where they found the body of Dante Johnson, beaten and shot to death. Mr. Johnson was left lying in the parking lot with his shoes missing. Lead investigator, Detective James Abbott, now Lieutenant James Abbott, undertook a lengthy and thorough investigation. Multiple individuals were charged in connection with this murder and 23-year-old Cassius Ivory was ultimately indicted for the first-degree murder of Mr. Johnson. In October of 2019 a jury of his peers convicted Mr. Ivory of first-degree murder. Artie Bradley later entered a plea to second-degree murder for his part in the homicide. On April 21st of this year, The last of those charges in connection with this crime was tried and convicted by a Rutherford County jury. Mr. Martavis Broadnax was convicted of attempting to provide a false statement to law enforcement after having provided false information to detectives in an attempt to hinder the officers from locating or apprehending Artie Bradley. Mr. Bradley and Mr. Broadnax were close friends and roommates at the time of the murder. Mr. Broadnax faces a potential prison sentence of one to six years. At the time of his plea, Mr. Brodax was represented by Mr. J. Norman. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorneys Matthew Westmoreland and Trevor Lynch. On March the 31st of 2019, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on Sunset Avenue. Once inside, officers discovered the body of Judith Montmire. Mrs. Montmire had been stabbed multiple times, resulting in her death. Upon the conclusion of the investigation, lead investigator Detective Jacob Fountain with the Murfreesboro Police Department charged Mr. Montmire with the first-degree murder of Mrs. Montmeyer. Mr. Montmeyer appeared before the General Sessions Court in Rutherford County, and following a preliminary hearing, the court bound the matter over for presentation to the grand jury. In November of 2019, a Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against Mr. Montmire for the first-degree murder of his wife, Judith Montmire. Mr. Montmire last appeared before the circuit court of Rutherford County on May 13th of last year. Mr. Montmire was represented by counsel, Mr. Clifton Sobel. The state was represented by assistant district attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana Minor. On April 22nd of this year, Mr. Montmire entered a plea of guilty to second-degree murder as a repeat violent offender. Mr. Montmire was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. On June 22nd, 2018, officers with the Smyrna Police Department were dispatched to Sullivan's Sports Bar in reference to a shooting that resulted in the death of Mr. Errol Lyons. Video surveillance footage showed that Marcus Brown approached the vehicle occupied by Mr. Lyons and several of his friends. An altercation occurred between Mr. Brown and at least one of the occupants of the vehicle. Mr. Brown then shot and killed Mr. Lyons and fled the scene. Detective Tony Harris with the Smyrna Police Department was assigned assigned as lead investigator. After reviewing video footage and interviewing multiple witnesses, Detective Harris charged Mr. Brown with first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated assault, employing a weapon during the commission of a felony, tampering with evidence, and resisting arrest. Mr. Brown is represented by counsel, Mr. Scott Kimberley. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently scheduled for trial starting on June 6th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard in response to a shooting resulting in the death of Mr. Stephen Lopez Jr. Lead investigator, Detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department has charged Mr. James E. Evans III with the second degree murder of Mr. Lopez Jr. Mr. Evans waived his right to a preliminary hearing and bound his case over to the grand jury. In March of last year, the Rutherford County grand jury returned a true bill against Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans is represented by counsel Mr. John Mitchell III, and the state is represented by assistant district attorney Trevor Lynch. This case is currently set for trial to start June 20th of this year. <coughs> On July 26th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to the residence of Mr. Eric Bixler. Upon arrival, deputies found Mr. Bixler deceased as the result of multiple stab wounds. A female companion of Mr. Bixler advised deputies that two armed men had attacked Mr. Bixler and held her at gunpoint while they searched the premises. The female heard Mr. Bixler being tortured by his assailants. Detective Ty Downing of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department was assigned as lead investigator. Following Detective Downing's investigation, Mr. Christopher White and Mr. Christopher Robinson, both from Kentucky, were charged with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, especially aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, use of a firearm during a dangerous felony, and possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. After a preliminary hearing in General Sessions Court, the cases were bound over to the grand jury. In March of 2021, a true bill was returned against both. A trial date is currently set for August 1st through August 5th of this year. The state will be represented in this matter by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On June 22nd of 2019, Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Eagle Street resulting in the death of Mr. Diore Saunders. Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Jacob Fountain has been assigned as the lead investigator. Through interviews of witnesses and video surveillance footage, Detective Fountain identified Delarius Crawford and Quandre Knowles as suspects. Physical evidence established two different firearms were used to kill Mr. Saunders. Eyewitnesses confirmed that Mr. Crawford and Mr. Knowles both shot Mr. Saunders. Detective Fountain has charged both suspects with first-degree murder tampering with evidence, employing a firearm during the commission of a felony, and possession of a handgun by a convicted felon. Mr. Crawford is represented by Mr. David Clark and Mr. Knowles is represented by Mr. Tillman Payne. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently scheduled for for trial to start August the 22nd of this year. On October the 8th, 2019, officers with the Laverne Police Department responded to a residence on Center Street in response to a shooting resulting in the death of a 17-year-old male. The juvenile had been shot multiple times. Laverne Detective Steve Krotz has been assigned as the lead detective. Upon interviewing witnesses, Detective Kratz developed Mr. Deontay Moore as a suspect. Cell phone records placed Mr. Moore in the area of the shooting and in communication with the juvenile victim the night of the shooting. On October the 16, 2019, Detective Kratz located Mr. Moore hiding in a closet at an apartment in Lebanon, Tennessee. Mr. Moore was charged with first-degree murder. A preliminary hearing was held on February the 11th of 2020 in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County. In March of 2021, a Rutherford County grand jury indicted Mr. Moore for first-degree murder, especially aggravated robbery, and use of a firearm during the commission of a felony offense. This matter is currently scheduled for trial on, on September the 26th through the 29th of this year. The defendant is represented by counsel, Miss Courtney Teasley. The state, will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. And that will conclude today's look Inside the Courts. Several THP
3: units scattered up and down. Certain sections of I-24 coming out of Coffey County. Uh, Give yourself a little bit of extra time if you're headed towards the Manchester area. Traffic's moving out here for the most part. 24 out through the Hickory Hollow area. Again, watch for some radar. Ripley's is hiring for all nine fun attractions. You get great pay and perks. Apply online at ripleys.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic.
2: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, capstar bank is for you capstar bank is dedicated to the people of this community capstar bank wants to help you reach your financial goals because at capstar bank you matter to us capstar bank 2230 dr martin luther king jr boulevard capstarbank.com member fdic equal housing lender
6: now an update from the wgns radio.com news center i'm ron jordan A Williamson County Amphitheater is taking steps to alleviate traffic during big events. Long lines of traffic have been reported at First Bank Amphitheater, frustrating concertgoers and upsetting neighbors living in the area. According to the venue's CEO, they're getting ready to start construction to help alleviate traffic problems and congestion. State Representative Brian Terry of Murfreesboro supports $175 million in grant funding to better serve struggling Tennesseans through the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program. The tennessee department of human services announced the seven tennessee opportunity initiative implementation grant recipients during a news conference at the state capitol in nashville thursday each public-private partnership selected will receive 25 million dollars in federal funds to be used for various initiatives as part of a three-year pilot program police in laverne are asking for the community's help to identify a suspect in a package theft investigation package containing a baby stroller was taken april 27th from the residence front porch in the ramsden avenue area of laverne near near shrieman boulevard and murfreesboro road an image of the suspect was captured on a home security device that image is posted on wgnsradio.com along with who to call if you think you can identify him friday and saturday are no fly zones in nashville The U.S. Secret Service and FAA say it comes as Vice President Kamala Harris will deliver the commencement address at Tennessee State University Friday morning. The no-fly zone applies to all aircraft and pilots, including drones. News on demand at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting.
0: The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news. Hi,
4: this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We are your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at
5: Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us.
0: From call to conviction, time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime... The investigation to the prosecution.
1: In this episode of From Call to Conviction, we will travel back in time to the late night hours of January the 8th, 2001. The location is the Clayton Estates Mobile Home Park in Laverne, Tennessee. Because this is a brutal rape case, The details of this case are very disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Also, to protect the victim, we will not disclose her name. We will only refer to her as the victim. It is about 11 p.m. The victim is at home with her two children. When two men suddenly enter the victim's home, they are unannounced, And they are unwanted. The two men immediately tie up the victim. And she is savagely raped by both men multiple times. The ordeal lasted for several hours. During the rapes, one of the two men enters the children's bedroom, picks up one of the children. The child is less than two years old. He takes the toddler to the victim and placed the child with the mother. The victim helped the small child as she was being raped. During the rape, a fist and a water bottle were inserted inside of the victim. Also, the victim's breast was bitten. As the attack was about to end, the two attackers inflicted even more pain on the victim. In an attempt to destroy evidence of their crime, the attackers poured rubbing alcohol into the victim's mouth and in and around her private parts. They also shaved her private areas. It was approximately five hours before the ordeal ended and the two men left. But before they left, one of the men forcibly took the victim's credit card and the keys to her car they later attempted to withdraw money at a local atm machine it was the early morning hours of january the night that the laverne police were notified the victim was taken to southern hills hospital for treatment and the laverne police department began their investigation police learned that the victim did not know who these two men were Detective Cal Norrod was assigned the case. Cal Norrod and the Laverne Police Department utilized their outstanding resources and investigative skills to identify and arrest the two men who committed this appalling crime. The arrest came within hours of the crime. It was January the 10th that the Laverne Police Department arrested 38-year-old Roger Dale Smith, and 25-year-old Arlen Yates. Both men worked at the mobile home park as maintenance men and had access to the pass keys to open the victim's residence. When questioned by the police, Arlen Yates admitted his involvement. Later that same day, when Roger Dale Smith was arrested, he denied any involvement. Both Yates and Smith were booked into the Rutherford County Jail. On March 1, 2001, Yates and Smith appeared in the Rutherford County General Sessions Court in the courtroom before Judge Ben Hall McFarlane. They were there for their preliminary hearing. On that date, Yates and Smith waived their right to the hearing and asked that their case be sent to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. The Rutherford County Grand Jury indicted Arlen Ray Yates and Roger Dale Smith on numerous felony charges related to the January 8th rape. Their cases were assigned to the courtroom of Judge Don R. Ash. Roger Dale Smith was represented by Rutherford County Assistant Public Defender J.D. Driver. Arlen Ray Yates was represented by Murfreesboro Attorney Jack Mitchell. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. Their cases involved many months of negotiation and court proceedings. On September the 24th, 2001, Arlen Yates appeared again in the courtroom of Judge Don Ash. Yates was there to enter into a plea agreement. Arlen Yates pled guilty to all of the charges against him. And pursuant to the plea agreement, Judge Ash sentenced Yates to serve 25 years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. As part of the plea agreement, Yates agreed to testify truthfully if called as a witness in the trial of Roger Dale Smith. During the plea, Yates blamed cocaine for his actions. He also expressed remorse and apologized to the victim. During the plea, the victim was present and cried. She was comforted by family and friends. Just over a month later, on October 19, 2001, Roger Dale Smith was brought to the courtroom of Judge Don Ash. Smith had chosen not to go to trial and face a jury, but chose instead to enter into a negotiated plea agreement. Smith pled guilty to all of the charges against him. Roger Dale Smith did not express any remorse during the plea. Pursuant to the plea agreement, Judge Ash sentenced Roger Dale Smith to serve 40 years in the Tennessee Department of Correction. In this broadcast, we chose that the victim should remain nameless, and instead we chose to focus on the evil actions of the defendants, the professionalism of Detective Cal Norrod, and most importantly, we wanted to focus on the courage of the victim. She was strong despite extreme abuse. She protected her children, and with the grace of God, she not only survived, but was determined to pursue justice. And in that pursuit, she became victorious. When we return, we will welcome the lead investigator in this case, Detective Cal Norod.
3: Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door if you're interested in our catering, you can go to demusesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas' Family Restaurants, go to demusesrestaurants.com, Demas' Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street.
1: Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. We're a pretty well-rounded music store. We have every guitar, keyboard, drum that you might be looking for. Parts are available, strings, accessories. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. It's all here, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're your hometown music store. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. This is Paul Newman, and we welcome you back to the Action Line on WGNs. My guest today is Detective Kyle Norrod of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, and he will tell us more about the brutal and vicious attack and rape that occurred in Laverne, Tennessee, on January the eighth of two thousand and one. And he will also tell us about the arrest and conviction of the two rapists, 25-year-old Arlen Yates and 38-year-old <clears throat> Roger Dale Smith. <clears throat> Detective Norrod, as we begin, I want you to tell us about yourself, where you grew up, where you were educated, and what career paths that you have followed.
5: Uh, I've always lived in Tennessee. I grew up in a little community called Monroe, just north of Livingston, Tennessee, up near Del Hollow Lake. I attended Livingston Academy, and after that I attended uh, East Tennessee Police Academy. Um, I always wanted to be a police officer, even as a young boy. Uh, whenever I was young, we had a theft at the house, and I remember the sheriff's department coming out, and there was a sheriff and a detective, and they actually recovered our property, and I was so impressed by, by their professionalism that made me want to be a police officer even more. Um, after I went to the uh, police academy, I was 20 years old when I entered law enforcement. Uh, after I graduated, I worked in law enforcement for a couple of years and uh, actually ended up going to work for Livingston Police Department. And the detective that came out and worked the case at the house was actually the chief of police at the time, and he promoted me to detective. And uh, actually, I've been a detective uh, pretty much since then. I've been in law enforcement uh, in Rutherford County, I started at Laverne Police Department in 97, and I've been here since. ever since. I'm working on my 25th year here in Rutherford County, 14 years with Laverne and now 11 years with Rutherford County.
1: And as I understand it, when you investigated this particular case, you were with the Laverne Police Department, but now you are with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. Is that right?
5: That's correct. Yeah, I started at uh, Laverne Police Department in, in uh, 1997 in uh, Rutherford County in 2011.
1: Well, thank you for your service. This was a case that showed the professionalism and the efficiency of the Laverne Police Department. Can you tell us who were the officers and investigators who contributed to this case being successfully prosecuted? Uh,
5: there was a number of officers that were involved in it. Uh, the initial officers that responded to the, to the call was Lent Snyder, uh, David Francis, and Conrad Call. They were the first one on scene and took the initial report. Uh, after they saw what they had, they called uh, for a detective, and I was actually the on-call detective at the time. So I got the call, and I responded out. Um, it was probably about five o'clock in the morning whenever I responded out there. And
1: uh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
5: Uh, later that day, <clears throat> of course, as the case uh, continued, uh, Detective David Loftus, uh, he started working the case with me, assisting me with the case, and um, we worked the case from the time we received it, uh, and. Which was on January the 9th. It started on January the eighth, about eleven o'clock. But we got the call about January 9th. Uh, we worked it <clears throat> until Smith and Yates were both uh, locked up, and that was the early morning hours of uh, January tenth. Uh, so we worked it straight through without uh, without stopping. Um, and then after after the initial case, there was several several officers that uh, that assisted us um, uh, as far as. Uh, Laverne Police Department is concerned, and then of course after the investigation, you know, it's uh, or after the arrest, the investigation is not finished. You still have uh, a lot of people that assisted us after that. Uh, we have evidence that we have to get analyzed and stuff like that, and thankfully, you know, we have Tennessee Bureau of Investigation to analyze our evidence, and you know, they're they're one of the premier law enforcement agencies in the country, and have some of the best analysts uh, in the country. So our evidence was sent down to them. They assisted us with the case also, and uh, uh, one of the one of the sad things is uh, I spoke of Detective Loftus. Uh, I worked with him for several years, and uh, he was uh, he was a TBI agent before he came to Laverne Police Department. But uh, unfortunately, he uh, he actually passed away last year, uh, February of last year.
1: I believe that General Jones may have a question that he would like to ask, uh, or you want to do that later. We'll wait and do that that later. We wanted to point out, and have already pointed it out, that because of the nature of this case, we did not identify the victim. We chose just to say that she was a mother of two and had a two-year-old toddler, maybe just a few months before two. Without identifying the mother, please tell us what you can about the mother's actions that night and how big a part she played in the investigation and the prosecution of this case. Uh,
5: she, she was actually asleep in bed and she woke up. Uh, she saw, saw a shadow uh, standing in her doorway. And of course, that's everyone's worst nightmare, but she initially thought that it could be her sister. Her sister lived in the neighborhood and uh, she thought that it may have been her sister, but then she saw a second shadow. And of course, then she knew it wasn't her sister. Um, as the the men approached her she began fighting with them trying to to fight them off kicking at them and stuff like that and of course they overpowered her Um, they took and tied her up uh, had a knife uh, held it to her and asked her if she wanted to live or die Um, of course her her thoughts her main concerns was she had a 17 month old baby and then a toddler uh, about three four years old that was her main concerns Uh, and then uh, they were sleeping in other rooms, and she, of course she was praying that they didn't wake up or that the, the men didn't harm them in any way. Uh, but even though she was being tortured by these men, that her children were the, on her mind. That's what she was concerned about the most. Um, the uh, 17-month-old was still nursing at the time and had woken up during this ordeal um, and started crying. And that's when Smith uh, went and got the child and brought it to the, uh, to the mom. Uh, and she actually took care of the child and was feeding the child while, while they were raping her. Um, after, after the men had left, uh, she was able to take the children and, and run to her sister's house. Uh, her sister lived in the same neighborhood. Uh, but I, she was extremely brave during the ordeal uh, she, she provided us with all the details about the man uh, about the incident that she could uh, and uh, one of the things that uh, whenever we started piecing together the evidence of the case um, the, she had told us that of course whenever they came in she didn't hear anything she didn't hear uh, any noise at all so that uh, that led us to believe that that they had access to the house somehow, but also the door had been forced open. But we knew that it hadn't been forced open as they entered. So what we determined was after they entered with the pass key, they actually went back out uh, before they left and locked the door and forced the door open to make it look like that they had forced it open uh, when they entered. Uh, but. Uh, Once we began pissing the evidence together, uh, we got an idea of who it was. Um, We put together two photo lineups of each individual and uh, presented those to her. And she was able to pick out both men out of both lineups and uh, positively identify them. And she she attended every court hearing. And, uh, uh, you know, it was... Basically, her information that uh, helped us to be able to uh, to bring these men to justice
1: can you describe what physical and emotional injuries were inflicted on the mother during the attack, and was the toddler in any way injured
5: the The toddler was not injured, and the child uh, the infant was not injured in any way. She did receive uh, some some injuries from the attack um, they uh, they punched her in the face and they uh, they bit her breast and they they did inflict some some minor injuries during the uh, the ordeal Uh, she recovered from all those those uh, injuries she was uh, treated at uh, the hospital and released that same day Um, whenever they were assaulting her they uh, they poured uh, rubbing alcohol uh, after they had finished assaulting they poured rubbing alcohol on her uh, down her mouth and on her private area uh, in attempts to try to cover up evidence. Uh, they also poured uh, uh, hydrogen peroxide on her and it's not the, the type that you buy at the drugstore. She was a hairstylist. So she had some uh, at, uh, some of that at her house. Uh, it's for bleaching hair and stuff like that. And It's a lot more powerful and potent and uh, burns. Uh, it can cause burns and they poured that on her also. Also, did they
1: uh, ever threaten to set her on fire?
5: They did. Uh, whenever they poured the, uh, the alcohol and stuff on her, they were telling her at the time that it was gasoline and that they would set her on fire. And of course, they also held a knife to her and uh, told her that they would cut her and, and uh, was threatening, threatening her. Um, they asked her several times if she wanted to live or die.
1: This case stands out to me for many reasons, but what stands out from a prosecution standpoint is that this was a very serious case, and you had a quick arrest. What caused you to be able to make such a quick arrest?
5: Uh, in a case like this, it takes everyone working together. Uh, it starts with the victim, um, you know, we need uh, information from them, and of course, after going through an ordeal like this, it's it's not always easy. Uh, for them to give us information um they may be fearful of what may happen or they sometimes they block out stuff uh, whenever something like this happens but in this case uh, she was instrumental in helping us with this case giving us detailed information stuff like that um she was brave and uh strong in that aspect uh it takes cooperation from witnesses we talked to clayton estates management um because we had recovered uh, some evidence like glove and some other stuff at the uh, at the location and with the information about the uh, that we felt that they had a pass key uh, we went and talked with them uh, got information with them uh, and actually these two uh, people that committed this crime they worked for Clayton estates in the maintenance department and they both called out sick that morning um, they had left a glove behind and we checked about the glove and they did say that that appeared to be the same top gloves that uh, that their maintenance people were issued and they were they uh, purchased those gloves um, locally and we went to that that local store and confirmed that that was the type of gloves that they carried there and it was also the type of gloves that that uh, they sold to Clayton Estates (coughs) and uh, uh, it takes uh, everybody working together, uh, and then, of course, after they're locked up, you know, the, the hard work of the DA's office in ensuring that they're prosecuted and receive what they should.
1: I want to jump ahead a little bit, but what can you tell us about Arlen Ray Yates?
5: Uh, Arlen Yates, he was 25 years old at the time, uh, uh, very little history. Uh, he didn't have very much history at all as far as I think he had one arrest prior to that and it, I think it was a misdemeanor arrest. Uh, he was He was just a, a young man that I think that was uh, very impressionable and I think that uh, he followed uh, Smith's lead on this.
1: And what can you tell us about Roger Dale Smith? Uh,
5: Roger did have a, a more extensive, arrest history. Um, he had been arrested several times, and he was older. He was, uh, I believe, 38 at the time. Um, and he was. He had been working at Clayton Estates uh, considerably longer than Arlene Yates had.
1: And who do you believe was the leader, if there was a leader?
5: I definitely believe it was uh, Roger Smith. Uh, I, I definitely believe he was the leader in it. Um, he, uh, he showed no remorse uh, during any of it. <coughs> um, he, uh, he showed no remorse, and he was, uh, I believe, the, the actual ringleader. He actually stole items from the victim. He gave uh, directions during the assault, and uh, he was actually the one that uh, took the uh, victim's credit card and to get money out.
1: Detective Norrod, I am proud to say that although this was a horrible crime, it is a crime that was solved. We want to thank you and the other members of the Laverne Police Department for the excellent work that was performed in bringing these two dangerous criminals to justice. Congratulations on a job well done.
0: There are places where people talk, and then there are places that people talk about. News Radio WGNS is both on air, online, and on the phone.
1: As we end our program today, we extend a warm welcome to the new member of our broadcast team, Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. We thank our producer, Scott Walker. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We also thank our special guest from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department, Detective Cal Norrod. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, June the 3rd, at 8:10 a.m. on your good neighbor station WGNS. We leave by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my two co hosts, Jennings Jones and Trevor Lynch, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day.
0: The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.